fructibus eorum coniocetis eos. Out of their fruits you shall know them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As most of you are aware, there's a deep connection between the Mass of the Sunday after Pentecost and the lessons that we hear at Matins in the previous, well, the Magnificat Antiphon at Vespers the previous evening, and the lessons that we hear at Matins that morning. And this week, we continue to go through the books of Kings. For the last several weeks, we've contemplated the figure of David, the meek and humble king after God's own heart, the king who constantly shows mercy to his enemies, and who, at the same time, has to beg for mercy from God for his sin, but who gives to us, even in that moment, an outstanding example of humility and repentance. And we move on this week to the figure of Solomon, Solomon the wise, Solomon who is wiser than any who have come before him or who shall come after him, and who in this is a figure of our Lord Jesus Christ, the true King of Peace, for Solomon's name means peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is wisdom incarnate. And a little after the lessons that we heard at Madness this morning, which introduced us to the beginning of Solomon's story, we would go on to read about Solomon requesting of God not the life of his enemies, not a long life for himself, not riches, not power, none of the goods of this world, but rather he asks for wisdom, for an understanding heart to be able to judge God's people. And we see the example of this wisdom of his in the story of the two mothers who come to him, one with a dead child, the other with a living child, and the way in which he's able to distinguish their two claims and find out what the truth is. The wisdom of Solomon is manifested concretely in his ability to distinguish properly between right and wrong. And this is, more often than not, the way in which true wisdom is manifested in, our, in human life. Wisdom is seen in the ability to make distinctions. This is essential to scholastic philosophy and theology, the making of distinctions, but it's also essential to living the good life, to be able to distinguish the right course from the wrong course. And so the gift of wisdom is closely allied to what we hear about in the second conference of St. John Cashin, which uh, the brothers in the novitiate have been uh, hearing a bit of in the past weeks, namely what Cashin calls discretion, discretion, discretio. We could also call it discernment, although that word has lots of different connotations. But discernment in the proper sense, to be able to make distinctions, to separate out the good from the bad. Cashin, speaking about this virtue of discretion, uh, refers to it uh, with the words that are used to refer to the intellectual gifts of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel. All of, the, all of these things find their expression in discretion. Discretion which enabled Solomon to distinguish the true mother from the false mother, which enabled him to judge wisely and to judge rightly for the people. This discretion, Cashin says, is the mother of all the virtues. And so it is that Solomon asked for this ability to distinguish right from wrong, because without this he could have no other virtues to rule his kingdom. And this discretion is also the subject of the Gospel of today. 
Our Lord telling us to beware of false prophets who come to us in sheep's clothing, but within are ravening wolves. Discretion allows us to distinguish the true prophets from the false prophets. But the false prophets are not always external. There certainly are false prophets out there in the world. But if we have to be aware of false prophets out there in the world, we also have to be aware of the false prophets within. And for the monk, this is the more important struggle, to distinguish between the true thoughts and the false thoughts, the thoughts that come from God and lead to him, the thoughts that come from elsewhere and lead away from him. We have to be aware of false prophets that come to us in our thoughts, seeming to be good and reasonable, but leading us if we engage with them. St. Benedict says there are ways which seem to men to be right, but the ends thereof lead to the depths of hell. These are the false prophets that can come to us in our thoughts to deceive us. And we know the true thoughts from the false thoughts in the end by their fruits, as our Lord says. Because thoughts bear fruit in words, thoughts bear fruit in deeds. And when we give voice to the thoughts that are in our heart, then we can usually see fairly quickly whether they're good or bad. This is why St. Benedict urges us to unmask the evil thoughts in our hearts, and to dash them down while they're still small, before they can gain a foothold. And when our thoughts bear fruit in our deeds, we can easily see where they come from and where they're leading. By their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits you shall know the true and the false prophets, and by their fruits you shall know the good thoughts and the bad thoughts that beset your heart. And what are the good fruits? It seems to me that the good fruit, above all, is seen in what our Lord concludes the Gospel with. Not he that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who doth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Doing the Father's will is the good fruit that allows us to distinguish the good from the bad. And doing the Father's will expresses itself, above all, in humility and in charity. Thoughts that lead us to humility, that lead us to submit ourselves in humble adoration to the will of the Father, come from God. Thoughts that lead us to charity, to a greater love for God and for our neighbor, come from God. Thoughts that puff us up with our own importance, thoughts that separate us from the love of God, thoughts that separate us from the love of our brethren, are thoughts which come from the flesh, from the world, from the devil. And so it is that we can distinguish by their fruits, by the fruits of humility and charity, the good thoughts from the bad thoughts, the true, pro the true prophets from the false prophets. And this theme of fruit by which we distinguish the true and false prophets is also the theme of the passage from the Epistle to the Romans that we heard in the Epistle of today's Mass. We're going in these weeks through the Epistle to the Romans, uh, through a central section of it, in which St. Paul talks about the new life in Christ that comes to us through baptism. Last week we heard how we were buried together with Christ by baptism unto death, so that as Christ is risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we may also walk in newness of life. So we are dead to sin, we are living the new life in Christ. And what does this look like? That's what he tells us in today's epistle. Before, in the old life, we were free in a certain way. We were free from justice, but we were servants of sin. And he says, what fruit therefore had you in those things of which you are now ashamed? The freedom, what seems to be freedom, 
which brings us to slavery to sin, brings us no fruit except for death. This is the experience of conversion, the experience to one extent or another of all of us in the monastic life. We can look back at our life in the world and think, I was so free back then. I've come to the monastery and I've given up all of my freedom. But if we ever are beset by that thought, by that temptation, we should ask ourselves the question that St. Paul asks. What did our freedom in the world get us? What fruit, therefore, had you in those things of which you are now ashamed? It only brought us slavery, a slavery to sin which leads to death. While our slavery to God, servi facti deo, slavery to God, bowing under the yoke of obedience, the yoke of the holy rule, it's from this slavery to God that we derive, he says, the fruit of holiness. And there's a vast difference between the fruit of sin and the fruit of serving God. He says, stipendia peccati mors, the wages of sin is death. Sin receives a wage, it receives what's due to it, it receives what is inexorably tied to it. But if we are slaves of God, then he says, gratia dei vita eterna in Cristo Jesu domino nostro. The eternal life that we receive is not just a wage, it's not just a recompense for what we've done, it's something far beyond what we could ever have earned. It's something far exceeding the wages that we might have compiled for ourselves by any good deeds that we've done. It's the free gift of God that he gives to us when we freely make ourselves his slaves, the slaves of justice. And this gratia, this superabundant gift of God, which far surpasses our merits, is given to us above all in the Most Holy Eucharist. It is there that we experience most concretely Gratia autem Dei vita eterna. The grace of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the Most Holy Eucharist we have our Lord Jesus Christ himself who is eternal life. In receiving him we receive the fount of all grace. And it is in receiving the Most Holy Eucharist, this grace of God, that we receive an abundant inpouring of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, including all of those gifts that are tied to the discretion which is the mother of virtues. We'll hear about this, we'll pray for it in the post-communion. Tua nos domine medicinalis operatio, may thy healing work, O Lord, thy medicinal operation, a nostris perversitatibus clementer expediat. Let it mercifully deliver us from our perversities, from all the things in us that are crooked and twisted and out of shape, all of the evil thoughts, which are the inward false prophets that lead us astray. Et ad ea quesud recta perducat, and may it lead us to those things which are right, to those things which are straight, to those things which are rightly ordered. The Holy Eucharist can do this. It can free us from our own crookedness and our perversity, and it can set us up on the right path. It is in receiving the Blessed Sacrament, in drawing close to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that we are enlightened by Him, as we sang in the gradual. Draw near to Him, accedite ad eum, et illuminamini, and you shall be enlightened. When we draw near to him, he drives away our evil thoughts, and he plants good thoughts in our hearts. And finally, I would be remiss not to say something about the collect of today's Mass, a collect which should mean a great deal to us as we pray every day the Litany of Divine Providence, as many of us also have prayed recently the Litany, uh, the Novena of Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, written by Don Delindo Rotolo.
this is what comes to mind as we say the collect of today's Mass. Deus cuius providentia in sui dispositione non fallitur. The translation, O God, whose providence in the ordering of all things never fails, but non fallitur is a bit more than that. O God, whose providence in its disposition of itself is never deceived, never makes a mistake. Divine providence is infallible, is what the Collect literally tells us. God's ordering of his creation cannot be deceived. This is a difficult thing to believe, but it's an article of faith that God does order all things by his providence, that all the evil that's in the world he permits in order to bring about a greater good, that he orders all things to the good for those who love him. We boldly profess our faith in this and pray in this collect. And we ask God, who orders all things thus, to remove all the harmful things, noxia cuncta, which certainly includes the false prophets and the evil thoughts, and to grant us omnia nobis pro futura, all the things that will be profitable to us. We know that if the liturgy gives us this prayer to say, it's because God wants to give it to us. God, whose providence is never deceived, never makes a mistake, wants to, to remove all that could harm us and to give us omnia pro futura, all things that will be profitable to us. And it is, once again, in the Blessed Sacrament that he gives us omnia pro futura, all things that will be profitable to us. And so let us open our hearts as we approach him in the sacrament of his love to receive him who is wisdom incarnate, him who is the source of all the good things that will be profitable to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.